This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Damian Bolwa, Managing Editor of the San Francisco Chronicle. Today on Fifth and Mission, looking at some of the tough losses and wins for the progressive movement in California, a movement that was energized, or at least so some thought, by the killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis. While everyone's been glued to the presidential election, which as of this recording remained undecided, some big issues were decided by state voters. Affirmative action, reforming the bail system, rent control, labor rights, many more. We're going to talk about that today, and my guests are Alexi Kossif, one of our Sacramento reporters. Otis Taylor, one of our columnists, is also here. Guys, what a week. And it's not over yet, but I'm ready for it to be done. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a little break from talking uh, presidential politics and electoral votes. And Otis, I want to start out with you. What is your sort of top line here? I know that um, we've all paid so much attention to particularly the affirmative action measure, which would have uh, taken away the ban on affirmative action for college admissions, uh, for state contracting. And this was really, uh, more than a lot of these, a real reaction to the George Floyd killing and the the reckoning that came after that. Sure. We're, we're talking about reinstating equal opportunity policies like affirmative action and Prop 16 failing, I, I think it uh, asks us to reevaluate how we um, talk about California. Uh, this state is very diverse population, um, but um, does this state um, value the issues that, again, that were brought to fore um, following George Floyd's death? I mean, those issues were always there. And um, I, I'm, I'm very curious to understand um, what this says about um, California, because to me, um, if one group is disproportionately affected, it impacts every group. And um, Prop 16 was uh, an attempt to ameliorate some issues for um, our our black and brown neighbors, and it failed, or it looks like it's failing resoundingly. Yeah, Alexi, it, it, it the the margin has been pretty big. The votes are not totally counted. Uh, we have called the race. Uh, what were the factors here, Alexi, that 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 moved this to defeat? It's. You know, I, I would just reiterate that I, I'm surprised that it failed as much as it by as much as it did. Uh, I at least thought it would be a competitive race because this is something that we've been talking about in recent months, but it, it just wasn't in the end. And it is sort of strange as we've watched the state change over the past several decades, getting more diverse, getting, you know, more democratic. Uh, if not more liberal, um, that people just don't seem to have changed their opinion on this issue. Uh, supporters who were hoping it would pass point to a lot of factors. They basically say that with um, 
election being so focused on the presidency, they just didn't have time to really educate people about what it would mean to bring affirmative action back. Uh, you're also, you know, running into the issue of it's been 24 years since we've had programs like this in California, and people might not have a sense of what it would really mean for there to be affirmative action again here. And so they don't feel like it's necessary. And I think you're running up against all of those things when when you are uh, trying to do something as as monumental as overturn, you know, what was a very contentious and, you know, landmark ban, the first in the country in 1996. So, you know, opponents would say they won because, you know, their their position is righteous. We should all be treated equally. But uh, I think it's a little more complex than that. All right, let's move to, to bail reform. You know, an issue that I think a lot of people know because of, of uh, law and order and, and crime shows and, and, and obviously a lot of people who um, who have been in the system or had family members that have uh, been arrested. Um, but this is an issue where people who um, who can't afford their bail mostly make that bail. And those that cannot uh, mostly stay in jail awaiting trial. And this was an effort to reform that. But Otis, I know you had some mixed feelings about this one. There was a lot of politics around whether this was the right uh, right remedy for, for the bail system. I, I feel the current cash bail system is, is just part of a discriminatory pretrial system, a discriminatory criminal justice system. Uh, but where I had an issue with Prop 25 is that I feel it would – entrench racial bias um, in the legal system with this risk assessment. Um, the tool has already proven to be uh, to disproportionately impact um, black and brown people. And you have to wonder uh, who is making the algorithm that performs the risk assessment. Um, I feel that it wouldn't address many of the systemic issues in the criminal justice system um, by tacking on this risk assessment. I feel if you want to end cash bail, just end cash bail. Um, there doesn't need to be another system put in place um, that assesses people um, because I think that moves into territory when you're asking um, computer algorithms to make decisions on people's lives when um, – the, the system has already shown that it, it disproportionately fails uh, groups of people. Yeah, and for those not familiar with it, I mean, usually certain crimes have certain bail amounts that are attached to them. This this computer algorithmic tool, what it does, it, lo it looks at people's backgrounds, it feeds in a bunch of variables, and you know whether they've skipped bail in the past, made court appearances, what they've done, etc. And and people are concerned that that when you use that history. Uh, in this sort of maybe not totally transparent system that you end up perpetuating some of the the things that that are actually fed into the system. Alexi, the the there was actually some some liberal supporters of this that ended up not um, not being for it at, or or being neutral on it, um, and that it seems like could have been a factor in it failing. Yeah, I covered this issue at 
uh, in the legislature extensively. It took two years almost to get the bill through in the first place because it's such a contentious issue. Uh, people have very different viewpoints about what the system should be, as as Otis alluded to. Um, but you need some way of determining who should be who should remain in prison you know, pre-trial or excuse me, in jail pre-trial because they're too dangerous to be out in the community and and who shouldn't, right? And and everyone has different thoughts about that. And so they tried to come up with this compromise, you know, that finally got through the legislature and groups that had pushed for, you know, a long time to do away with cash bail, like the ACLU basically said, this goes too far for us. We don't, we don't support the compromise that you've come up with. And so they didn't support this referendum that the bail industry qualified for, you know, the ballot. It's hard to say we don't know yet whether voters were essentially upholding the idea of cash bail or rejecting the alternative that the legislature came up with. And figuring that out, I think, is really going to determine the future of this issue in California. Because if if the if the legislature essentially feels like voters were voting for cash bail, they may not try this, uh, you know, they may not try to come back at the issue in a future session, and there may just remain cash bail in California. So, there's going to be a lot of, I think, you know, post-election assessment for support for supporters of getting rid of cash bail and trying to figure out the best path to proceed forward. Yeah. And and but some counties like San Francisco actually are doing their own thing anyway. Right. That's still allowed. Absolutely true. This doesn't this doesn't um, override counties that have gone further. But again, those are only select places in the state. You've got a state of 40 million. And unfortunately, you know, with a lot of issues, not just this one, justice can depend so much on what local prosecutors and local officials decide to do. And so, you know, these are the kinds of, you know, times when, when you would hope the state would be able to put something uniform in place so that everyone has equal access to a fair system. All right, let's take a quick break. More with Fifth Admission right after this. We'll be right back after a short break. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com slash pod. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bulwa. I'm joined by columnist Otis Taylor and Sacramento reporter Alexi Kossif. We're talking about some of the really important statewide issues that went to the polls with this week. Kind of a mixed bag. Um, Alexei, I want to return to you. And, and, you know, we hadn't mentioned Prop 22, which is a big win for Uber and Lyft, allowing them to keep their drivers as independent contractors rather than employees with full benefits. Alexei, it seems like one of the big themes here, and, and maybe it's nothing new, is that that the the big pockets that spent a lot of money did pretty well and, and were able to get their message across. Absolutely. Uh, you know, what, what we saw here is not just with Prop 22, but several of the initiatives that 
um, industries with a lot on the line spent over a hundred million dollars each basically to try and influence the outcome of the election and largely seem to have been successful. The tech companies that, you know, stood a lot to lose if, if their drivers were classified as employees spent over $200 million on this race, which is a level never seen before in California political history on, on a single ballot measure. And, and they won and they won, you know, overwhelmingly, which definitely sends a message to to business interests in the future that may try similar things. We saw a similar outcome on rent control. Uh, there was a, another attempt to pass, um, you know, to loosen the restrictions on rent control in California. That went down in flames after the real estate industry spent, you know, $100 million against that one. And there's a very close battle right now for a measure that would change how property taxes are assessed. The business community hates that one. They spent over $100 million against that, and they're in the slight lead right now. So we'll see what happens with that one as well. Yeah, Otis, what do you make of this in a larger way? I mean, obviously, all of these measures are are different. and uh, but But with Prop 22, I mean, I think to some degree, there's a little bit of a clash between just the idea that hey i kind of want to uh, i kind of want a cheap cheap ride on uber and lyft i'm okay with that and so there's a bit of a clash of that but, and and the uh, and the ideals of that 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 workers should be paid much more i mean it seems like people are always assessing the soul of california where, where do you where do you stand now after this election i feel prop 22 um it sets a precedent um that big business can make laws now it can be argued that's always been the case, but I feel that keeping drivers as independent contracts, crack tractors, it disenfranchises workers and gives um, the tech companies too much power. Um, the, the argument is that, oh, well, they get more – the independent contractors have more leeway with the job and they don't have to work set hours. Fine, but um, as far as – the drivers organizing when um, they have issues that um, demand the attention of the tech companies, uh, this proposition limits that. And in fact, it gives um, the tech companies the um, legal, uh, let's say, legal gusts to uh, overturn now AB5 that um, that was placed, uh, you know, became law this year. So I, I think it has uh, propos- Proposition 22 will have um, some ramifications that we don't even see right now, and they're going to be lasting as far as labor is concerned. And um, it, it just shows that what you can do, you gather a bunch of money, get some big backing, put out a lot of ads, and we can take on labor. And as you know, California is a big labor state. And so I think that this is going to send a chilling effect through labor organizations, yeah, and especially as as gig work uh, ramps up with with the within the tech community, and as just somebody you know who's spent a lot of time up here in Sacramento around the capital, observing the dynamics there, you know, as Otis said, it's it's we are a state that's very dominated by labor, which has close ties to the Democratic Party, uh, and a lot of you know, a lot of business groups are frustrated by that dynamic at the Capitol. So I do think, you know, he's right in saying that Uber and Lyft has sort of created a new blueprint here for 
you know, if if you don't like a law and you're willing to pony up enough money, you you know, you could potentially get around that more complex dynamic of lobbying at the Capitol. Alexi, and I know it was it was somewhat of a mixed bag in terms of some of the progressive measures. Can you kind of just run run us through the other ones that you you thought were important? It wasn't there were some wins and losses, right? Well, I think, you know, to come back to this, uh, you know, notion of of criminal justice, uh, you know, what makes the failure of the bail reform uh, measure so interesting is that um, otherwise uh, California voters supported two measures um, that were, you know, really strongly backed by those same kind of groups working in that criminal justice space. One of them would automatically restore voting rights for people uh, who are on parole, you know, which is not something the state has had in the past. And the other was beating back an effort by law enforcement groups to, um, you know, to, to add, to, to make harder uh, criminal penalties for certain laws and, and to make it harder to earn certain credits in prison for parole, things like that. You know, it was a, it was a, an effort by them to undo some of the the more liberal criminal justice laws that California has passed in recent years. And that failed by a lot. Uh, so it was just interesting to see the state really back those overwhelmingly and then come to this split decision on bail reform. Alexi, I want to ask you a question um, because this is something that I've been reporting on, um, trying to uh, build this column around Prop 16. What is you know, the split there where, you know, we're, we're not supporting rent control, but we support um, allowing uh, people to vote as soon as they get released. Um, the no on Proposition 15, um, but yes on Proposition 22, you know, what does that suggest to you that is happening in, in California right now with the electorate? Yeah, you know, this is this is one of those things where in a state of 40 million people, it's hard to make sweeping generalizations about who we are as a state. We get painted as this blue state, this liberal bubble. But the reality is that even somebody who votes for Joe Biden in the Central Valley is very different than somebody who votes for Joe Biden in San Francisco. So there's all kinds of complex demographic issues at play here. There's so much poverty in California, uh, and there's so much wealth, and there's you know so many Latino people, but Latino people a lot of times don't turn out to vote because they're undocumented and they can't, right? So there's just all kinds of complex dynamics here that we're figuring out. And I think, you know, we've pointed to some of them here where, you know, money really wins, you know, that's for certain. And we as a state are certainly moving to the left on criminal justice issues, but we don't know yet how far we want to go and what that really looks like. And so I think those are some of the the lessons that we're really learning from this year about where this state is headed. All right. Well, let's leave it there. Thanks, Otis and Alexi, for coming on. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks to my guests today, columnist Otis Taylor and Sacramento reporter Alexi Kossif. To King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. 